Join Chris and Suzanne Vester today on Faith Family Fulfillment as they lead discussions on creating a strong bond and having a loving relationship through Christian values. Guests on the show share insightful stories and ideas to enhance a positive family upbringing and create trust in one another, as well as providing encouraging words of wisdom everyone should hear. And now, here are Chris and Suzanne. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Faith, Family, and Fulfillment. I'm your co-host, Chris. And I'm Suzanne. And um, we got an interesting topic today that came up because of some unscheduled time. We had just been together this weekend in light of some travel screw-ups or complications, I guess. Yes. So I'm looking forward to this conversation, actually. I'll pretty soon we'll get started. All right. Lord, we ask you to come into your room and meet with us today and help guide this conversation um, so that those that need to hear it can hear it and that the glory does go to you. We love you. We thank you for all the blessings. But we love you not more than anything, not for what you do for us, but for who you are. A gracious, loving, merciful God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we had an unscheduled road trip that gave us seven hours roughly a lot a lot of road time a lot of windshield time and we occasionally listen to both well not occasionally a lot listen to same books same podcasts same like we we share a lot of things back and forth and um i'm reading because of uh some coaching i'm beginning you and me forever um by francis chan who pretty controversial in some of the things that he's he says some of the books he's written, but I, I will say that this particular chapter of this book, when I was listening to it yesterday, kind of resonated. And we're going to touch on a little bit of it this morning. We are, yeah, we're not going to get to all of it for sure, but I think we'll get to some heavy parts, some do some heavy lifting today. Um, but it was about parenting, um, and parenting that chapter, that chapter, that chapter was about parenting, specifically parenting with God in mind and what that looks like. And he opens up the chapter really by giving us a clear example of what children specifically, what that picture, what God's opinion of children are. And it comes from Psalm 127, it's verses 3 through 5, and it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And we talked about a little bit before getting on about how over the last 30 years, there's been an attitude shift about large families, you know, that forever large families were looked upon as a blessing. Like it was a great thing to have big families. Um, and I know several people with big families, like we have lots of friends with big families. And I think a lot of people see that and think, what in the world? You know, we have a family in our church, and they've got how many kids is it? Nine? Nine, I think. I think it's nine kids. And I see so many people look at them and go, what are they thinking? You know, which is kind of the attitude of America as a whole, I think, in some cases, that the shift has been that the children are more of a burden. And like the reason behind that may be because of the extra financial expense, the loss of freedom. Um, the added responsibility 
and some of it's a shift in economy as well because there are less people doing manual farm labor. Right. You don't have you don't need as many hands on deck specifically for those kinds of things for jobs. Yes. Earthly jobs. Yes. Right. But you know what he kind of goes into in the book is that he feels like, and I don't disagree really that part of the reason that that shift has occurred is because of how we see children now as a burden because of how they show up. You know, he specifically says that, you know, the, you know, the reference is a, a quiver full of arrows. And he said, but a bunch of crooked arrows or unruly kids, man, they would come back to, to haunt you. And what's causing that shift in the way that kids show up disrespectful, like pushing back on authority in a big, big, big way. And like what's causing that. And it really boils down to parenting. And this is where I think the, the heavy lifting is, is about what is parenting with God in mind look like? What does it look like if we say, hey, we're going to parent like God calls us to parent, which I wish I'd have thought about 22 years ago. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because, I mean, I, I think we have always felt like our number one duty and responsibility was to raise, God, raise God-fearing children. Like that was, we didn't even have to discuss it. We just knew. We've gotten way more intentional at that in the last probably eight years, nine years. And part of that's because we have three kids. Yeah. Who are very different. Yes. In temperament and personality. Right. But in the parenting side of things, if you look at what makes a great parent, if we were to ask ourselves, okay, well, what would you say a great parent looks like? Is it a parent that does everything for their children? Or is it a parent that actually trains a child to do for themselves? Um, the examples he gets in the book is like a, teach, a, a parent that, if you have a kid that can't tie their shoes or can't cut their steak, and this is why I stop there. Why wouldn't it be, hey, can they do laundry? Can they do they know there's a job that they're gonna have to fulfill one day? And like how are they gonna show up in society? That training never stops. Like it's training them to do more than just tie their shoes. To be. Yeah. Yeah. Tie their shoes and cut their steak. And when you look at situations where there are parents that want to do, to do, to do and make life as comfortable as possible for their kids. Like, what's their motivation? Why do they want to be to their children rather than a parent to their children who makes themselves obsolete? We've been very vocal to our children. My job is to make myself obsolete. (laughs) I think you have to look at not just across our generation with parents and children. I think you have to go back farther than that because Parents who struggle parenting, they're typically replicating what they lived in a lot of regards. Not always. And I'm certainly not trying to say it's you know specifically one way or the other. But you typically do what you know. And you know, I think we've talked with Gabrielle, our middle, especially when she's complained about certain things around like coaching and different patterns of behavior and folks who are supposed to be mentoring and and helping her. We've just expressed very clearly, you do what you know, and they may not know to do any differently. So I think that you have to be very mindful if what you're doing is what you know, and it's not working. You're going to have to step outside of that and ask for help or seek other, other ways, but that's hard. And people don't like to do hard. 
we don't like to do hard. Well, it's, 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 admitting, know, it's, it's admitting weakness. Right? But, you, but you have to. I mean, things are going to be hard. Where do you want your heart to be? Right. You know, he touched on maybe the motivation was a parent's desire to be liked or needed or thanked or praised or a desire to be the friend of a kid. But if you look at all those situations where if they're looking to be liked or needed, what a disservice is doing to the child. You know, they're not learning to be self-sustaining and self-sufficient all those ways. And it's really, you know, if you're going to say, do we help create a blessing to the world or a burden to the world, you know, not helping your children become self-sustaining is creating the burden. Like that's a burden that goes on. And they learn really, really quickly. If they cry, somebody pays attention, you know, and yes, sometimes very, that crying goes into their thirties and forties. Yes. Because they feel like that's the same. That's effective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I cry, somebody pays attention. Right. But it's, it is truly enabling them. So it, at the point of where we're not teaching how to be effective and how to be a blessing versus a burden, rather than carrying around a quiver full of arrows or carrying around a quiver full of unsharpened sticks, which is carrying around something that's completely <laughs> ineffective to never leave the quiver, to go and to be whatever their mission and purpose is in life. I don't think they ever get challenged to find it. Well, why would they? Yeah. You're doing everything for them. Right. You know, I, um, I think specifically about Avery and Gabrielle, you know, 21 and 17 respectively, not that I'm discounting Shelby, but I mean, she's 13. She's got a lot of life left to figure out things, which we consistently encourage, figure out your strength, like figure out, mm -hmm. let's, let's, let's figure out. But they both have used their life experiences and struggles that they've had in life and used them as a learning tool to try to be a blessing moving forward. I mean, both right. of them have a big, big desire to show up as as a picture of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like, that's their number one. If you ask them about their, you know, the, where, where, how they want to serve and how they want to show up, it's, you know, very specifically helping other people overcome the struggles that they've had. You know, right. And showing how their faith has led them to overcome that struggle, not taking credit for overcoming the struggle. Right but saying, hey, I was able to overcome that struggle because I learned to lean on the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's how both of them show up and won't show up, which kind of, you know, you think about, okay, if you give a kid purpose and you give them a mission like and responsibility, like, wow, what, how do they, like, they figure out how to show up, mm -hmm. you know? I think even as adults that didn't have that situation as they were growing up, if something interrupts their thought pattern and challenges them and says, like, there's something more to life than being a burden to society. If it's, if they're lucky enough to become self-aware, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and they start doing the hard work of, Hey, how can I show up differently? Right. They find a purpose in the mission and maybe take on some responsibility, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, we've never had to, talk about or discuss really that we knew we were going to raise children in a God-fearing home to be God-fearing. Like that's creation of disciples, you mm -hmm. know, children are no different. And one of the things he touched on, touched on the book that I agree with is having kids that love Jesus more than they love us. Right. Like that's a hard thing to think about. 
on the flip side of that, when you have a child, you're stewarding them. They do not belong to you. And yeah. Which is another hard concept. For sure. You know, having children that see that you love God more than them, like it gives them a picture of what their life should be. Like it's that they should love God more than their kids. They should love God more than their spouse. Like it's truly putting him first. And I'll say for me personally, like it, like it was a long time before I figured out that, you know, of how to live that out by example, trying to, to show them that. And he, he actually uses an example because he is a pastor and he's serving all over the world that when he's away from home, that his children are so understanding because they understand he's doing it because of the way he loves the Lord and the burden he has for people. And so there's no, like, there's no animosity. There's no, um, there's no hurt feelings. There's no hurt feelings. Like they just know that's, it's okay because that's what we all should be doing. Like the children even think, well, that's what we should all be doing. Like it's normal to do that. And he talks about how, you know, kids know when you're faking it. Like they know when you're lukewarm. And he gives an example of, you know, children leaving the church. And even to the point of children, like a generation that's coming to the church, that's resentful of a lukewarm set of parents. Like they're an exception, but there there is a movement of the church of a younger generation that's coming to the church and they're becoming resentful because they realize, hey, loving Jesus means something. It's not just being lukewarm in your home, not putting family before God. You know, that's that's a problem. In homes where family is put before God, then the majority of the kids leave the church at 18 because, well, family is more important. Well, I see incongruities. Right. You're saying one thing. You're doing another. You're doing another when it comes to me and what, you know, sports or whatever. And then you're not doing except for going and showing up and sitting and then you're leaving, but you're not doing anything else. Which goes back to last week's, like the service. Right. How are you serving? You know, yeah, I think about how, I think you know, Gabrielle, she's chosen to go to a different church, but at that church, she's serving. And I think, well, she's, she's showing up there in the, with a servant mindset of how can I serve this church? Not what can I get from the church? And how can right. I serve the church? But the whole point of that is if kids are watching, which they watch everything they do, everything that we do, they see where we're dialing it in. They see where we're not living up to what we say. And if we're telling them, hey, I love God more than I love you. And that's the way it should be. You should be loving the Lord more than me. And it asks the question, what would break your heart the most? That if your children didn't love you or if your children didn't love Jesus. And I think that that's a, that would be a difficult question for some people. Um, but if you thought it all the way through, right? If they love Jesus, they're going to love you. <laughs> like it's, like he makes the point, I've never met someone who loved Jesus who did not love their parents. Right. And when it talked about putting family first, it also went into respect. Like, how do you show respect in the home? How does, how does respect show up? Because we, I touched on the beginning, if, if kids are showing up now as being disrespectful to their teachers or disrespectful to authority figures, um, you know, there's a war on cops right now, but there's no respect for them. But all of that disrespect is something that they're catching, right? They're seeing there's a lack of respect which would lead them to not respect God's authority. Right. 
because he's just another authority. Right. What gives him the right to give me a command? What gives him the right to demand that I be obedient? Right. Because it's not comfortable to me, so I don't want to participate in that. So just like every other authority in my life, I'm just going to disrespect it. So I think it's just a lot to unpack in that chapter that I think is really good questions to ask ourselves how we show up to our, to our families, to our kids. You know, do they understand that in our home we love Jesus first? And how do we demonstrate that? And in our home, this is what respect means. This is what respecting your teachers and your authority. Like, how are we showing up? What are your thoughts? Like, you've been going up all the time. I'm in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that I can't count how many times I've said it between the three of our children, this is not my job, my role, my purpose to be your friend, to be your coddler, to be whatever. My purpose is to make sure that you can be grown and flown. Like you can go out, you can be productive, you can contribute you can live out your purpose. And that rubs our children very much the wrong way sometimes, especially when it's a matter of this is for your own good conversation. But I I remember very distinctly um, going to college, my younger brother is five years younger than me. And we've laughed about this a lot, but I remember going to college. I was had a roommate and we shared a suite with two other um, girls. One of those came from a family where every, literally everything had been done for her, which if that's your choice of parenting style, then I'm not going to tell you not to do it. It's your choice. Bless your heart. Yes. But what was astonishing to me was she didn't know how to function. And I mean, I think you could probably say that you were the same, but when I, there were a few things that I didn't know how to do when I graduated from high school simply because parents and grandparents had pulled along and come with me and let me show you and taught me well. Right. You know, a lot of teaching and a lot of catching, right. a lot of learning by doing. And it just blew my mind. She had no idea, right. like no idea. And I was like, I'm never going to have a kid who can't function outside of my house that I have failed if that's the case, because if something were to happen to either one of us, we have failed as parents. If they can't survive and function and think and problem solve and all the things without us having to do it for them or tell them how and letting them fail and sometimes fail epically is a part of that. I'm glad just where you went because if you know, if the whole idea of parenting is creating disciples, and right now there's an absolute attack on the church, it's going to get harder and harder and harder to show up as a Jesus follower. And the last thing I need is for them not to have the strength to withstand. And I'd rather them learn to gather that strength while they are in my care. They're in our care. Like it's our job to at that point, when they do have struggles, be there when they struggle, show them where to lean on in the struggle. Like we, we talked to it with you know, Avery and Gabrielle all ago. Like they, they want to serve based on the struggles they went through, 
but not for their glory, but for the glory of no, they knew where to lean on. Like they overcame with their, like God showed up for them. And that's what they want to get through to young ladies. Mm-hmm. But in those cases, putting them in the right circles, introducing them to the right people, giving them a firm foundation in their faith helped that. Like it's like not by our, like it wasn't by our design, but that's just how we parented. And 10 years now, 15 years from now, as hard as it's gotten in the last five years, even to show up as a Jesus follower, it's just going to get that much harder. And they're going to have to have some backbone. So if they're going to show up in the workplace, like we're asking them to, Hey, we need to become obsolete. You go, you're going to have to contribute to society, not be a burden on society. But not only that, you got to shine a light. Like you're supposed to shine the light. You're supposed to be helping create disciples. How in the world could kids that have been coddled and helicoptered, right, even raised in a Christian home, like they could be raised where faith is part of it. But at the moment that they're facing that trial, if they've not learned to lean, then they're they're going to collapse under. Like it's just it's going to collapse. And to me, that's a that's as much of a parenting failure as a kid at 22 years old that can't cut their steak. Right. <laughs> or maybe even more, more of a failure. Right. Courage is for sure cultivated. Right. It's something that you, you're not born with it. You don't show up one day and automatically have it. It's not fairy dust that's sprinkled on you and, and you just get it. Courage comes from knowing that you've faced adversity and you may have not come out on the other side unscathed, but you came out on the other side right. and you learned and you put more tools into your tool bag so that when you experience that again, you have something to draw from. And that's not that much different than any other kind of stress or adversity that you might come against. But again, to your point, if you've not started to cultivate that and work that muscle and really you know, figure out how to, to do it and how to be resilient, you are, you're going to crumble. Right. And it's got to start somewhere, you know, it's, foundations are very important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm 50, you're 48. Our generation is aging on up. It's the Avery's and the Gabriel's. Yeah, I'm getting very old, but it's the Avery's and the Gabriel's and the Shelby's of the world that either at some point have to figure it out themselves or like, this just hopefully have some people like them in their generation that shine the light and go, Hey, why don't we parent with God in mind? Like it's like, let's start there. Right. You know, let's start there. Like, do you love God more than your spouse? Do you love God more than your children? Do your children love God more than they love you? Let's hope so. You know, because if I think if we can get that part right, kind of everything else takes care of itself. Cause right. And how do they love others? Yeah. You know, it said, you know, what would break your heart more if your children didn't love you or if they didn't love Jesus? Well, they love Jesus. They're going to love you. Well, if they love Jesus, you know, and Pastor Chris made a, he made a statement from the pulpit the other day about the different Christians and Christ followers. Yes. If they're a Christ follower, then the way they show up in the world, right, will be so drastically different that it will be a beacon of light. And hopefully, man. Cause the difference, cause like bring people to them. You know? I think one of the things that 
we have to keep in mind as parents and adults is that you are going to be attractive to people who see something in you that they either need or won't, or just are subconsciously drawn to. And sometimes it's your sense of calm, your sense of peace. Sometimes it's your strength, your courage in the face of adversity, whatever it might be. So I don't think that, I don't think our kids are going to have a problem finding a way to serve and finding a way to be that because you can already kind of see that people are drawn to them because of those, the inner qualities, not anything that people can necessarily like visually see and touch. It's not tactile, but they just know there's something there that's different. And, you know, Avery spoke, I think we might've already talked about it, but Avery, when she called us after that week of the Department of Juvenile Justice kids mm-hmm. came to the camp and she said, you know, y'all talk about language being important all the time. And she goes, but here's what I know. Like, we show up different. You know, and she was very complimentary to us as, like, you've told us to show up different, you know, by, by being that example. And they search out what they search for in their circle of influence. It's influenced by our circle of influence. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to ask? No. I mean, yes, we could probably go on for another yeah, hour. Yeah, well, there's but, a lot. In fact, this, I think that this probably won't be the only time we discuss section of that chapter, maybe even the whole book. Um, it, it was a very challenging book for me. I, I really I thoroughly enjoyed the book. I've given away like seven copies. They're not here yet, but I've already got the seven in mind, and they'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> my, my love language of gifting books. But yeah, parent with God in mind. First. First. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Father God, thank you for giving us time yesterday as unplanned and unexpected and unwanted, honestly, that it actually was that we had an opportunity to sit and listen and then today have a conversation as parents and as those who are speaking life into other parents let us show up in ways where you can be seen and it not be us but you can show up through us we can be your hands and feet in everything that we do lead us guide us and help us to continue in your will amen amen thank you for listening to another episode of faith family fulfillment brought to you by chris and suzanne vester We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's guests and stories. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Chris and Suzanne on Instagram at H-V-A-U-T-O-C-O-O and Suzanne.C.Vester. That's at S-U-Z-A-N-N-E dot C dot V-E-S-T-E-R. 